Hello and welcome to Being Well. I'm Forrest Hansen. If you're new to the podcast, this is where we explore the practical science of lasting well-being. And if you've listened before, welcome back. I'm joined today, as usual, by Dr. Rick Hansen. So, Dad, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm really good, Forrest. As always, I just love doing this with you. And I I thank you for letting me do this with you. (laughs) Well, thanks, Dad. I'm glad that you appreciate that I've permitted you to continue to appear on my podcast, you know. But that is actually the power structure a lot. Is you, you know, if anyone becomes a parent, they know, you know, when your kids are literal, they need your permission, right? But when your kids are adults, you need their permission. It's so true. It's so true. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm definitely setting the boundaries of the relationship more <laughs> these days. But yeah, I'm so glad to be doing it with you as well, and glad to have a finally made it to the end of 2020. Oh, yeah. A year that will live in infamy, as they say. And maybe with that in mind, we've come to the end of a very long and strange and often quite uncomfortable year. If you're listening to this podcast, you've probably had a lot to overcome this year, and you made it. And I think that it's good to start by just appreciating that we all (laughs) made it. We made it. Exactly. Whoosh, still here. Yeah, absolutely. And on a lot of different levels, this was not my favorite year. But we did hit some great milestones with the podcast, looking for the silver lining around all of those clouds. We posted about 60 episodes, we spoke with a fantastic group of guest experts, and the podcast was downloaded well over a crazy one and a half million times, which is a a very big number and is quite humbling to me personally that we've received so much amazing support from our listeners. So I'd love to start by just saying thank you to everyone who's taken the time to listen to the podcast this year. It is a huge part of my life. It has become really a kind of organizing part of my life, and I certainly didn't really expect that when we started doing this back in whenever it was, 2018, 2017, kind of depending on when you want to start counting from. And it's just been amazing to see the podcast grow and to sort of receive your support. So again, thank you so much for listening. Oh, same here. It just blows my mind just to imagine as we are speaking here that truly tens of thousands of people maybe approaching 100,000, depending, might actually be listening to us. And for me, that just stops my mind cold and busts my heart open with gratitude for those who are listening. So really, from my heart, thank you. So we recently spent an episode looking back over the year that was, looking back over 2020. So we're not going to, you know, spend too much time on that one today. We already did the recap of the doom and gloom and the whole thing. So we're going to turn our eyes toward more positive ends here and focus on the year to come. And particularly, we're going to try to focus on how we can make 2021, the year it, whatever it is, finally happens for you. So how does that sound, Dad? Mm, Sounds great. Awesome. So because I can't help myself... Before we get into today's episode, I want to give people a quick reminder about your Foundations of Wellbeing online program. It's an online year-long program of personal development that walks people through how to grow 12 key strengths like courage, confidence, and compassion in their mind and in their heart. It's a fantastic way to organize the year to come if you're interested in that. Our holiday sale is going on now, and podcast listeners can use the code BEINGWELL10 in all caps. That's being well, the name of the podcast, as one word, and then the number one and zero to get an extra 10% off the purchase price. There are also need-based scholarships available. Please don't hesitate to inquire about those. And if you're a mental health professional, you can get continuing education credits from it as well. So all that said, let's get into the episode here. What I'm really interested in here today is this idea that often we have something in our mind that's the thing that we're going to do one day. I'm going to finally write that book. I'm going to finally start that podcast. I'm going to finally whatever. And then we come up with a lot of reasons again and again and again to not do the thing. I'm just too busy. I don't have the resources, whatever it is. And some of those are legitimate. Like you truly can not have enough resources in your life. Absolutely. But underpinning that there are often psychological reasons that the thing just doesn't happen for you, whatever that thing is. So I want to start with a kind of complicated question, which is about real change. You've spent a lot of time in your life sitting with people in an office effectively trying to help them change. 
So I want to ask you, we often make all of these New Year's resolutions at the start of a year, but it's kind of shocking how rarely those actually stick to people. In your experience, with all that time that you've spent, what makes change actually happen inside of a person? It's a really, really great question. And you're talking here about change that lasts, not just a burst. I think sometimes people <laughs> live their life binge and purge. In other words, they, they kind of make a change, but then they do some kind of collapse around it and they don't stick with it. Yeah, totally. I want to try to get at this with two notions that for me are right at the depth of it all rather than something more superficial. So the first question is, do you really want to make that change? Do you, the aggregate you, the whole village of you, the whole zoo of you, are you really into it? Or are you just telling yourself something you should do? Yeah, huge distinction for sure, right off the bat. Yeah, I, I was thinking of this line, I think from James Joyce, who says, Mr. Somebody, Mr. Smith, lived at some distance from his body. <laughs> and I think a lot of people live very much on the surface of their mind, kind of verbally saturated, where there's all this talk about what they should do or shouldn't do, da da but they're not really in touch with the depth of themselves, where actually they could be very ambivalent about this thing they think they should do. For example, over many, many years, I've said again and again, as you well know, I should exercise more. But deep down in my heart, I didn't really want to. I didn't see the point. I didn't care about it, particularly weight training. Ugh. Painful. <laughs> and, you know, We've tried to convert you around that recently. Yeah, yeah. But it's been like that. And so I think a real question for someone is to just really tell the truth of themselves. Do you really want it? And if you really want it, get in touch with that level inside you that's in the core of your being of will that really, really wants it. And you sort of know that you really want it in the core of your being when you move beyond reasonableness. You move into a feeling where going after this no longer depends on anything. You're gonna go after it. You may not succeed at it, but you're gonna go after it. It's no longer contingent. So that's one. Do you really, really want it? And get in touch with whether you really, really want it. A second thing to reflect on that gets in the way of people and gets in the way of really wanting it is something to do that we've talked about in a previous episode, a fear of a dreaded experience. That if I really go for this, it will lead to some kind of painful experience. So I need to understand what is the painful experience that is blocking me from going for this thing that I keep saying I really, really want. And I've known a number of people who it's as if the, you know, their mind was like a 10-story building and the top five stores, including the penthouse, was all in on doing X, but down in the basement, their little girl inside or little boy inside was freaking out about the pain they feared they would experience if X actually happened. So I would just say those two things. Before we get into other stuff, I wanna just kind of name those two things. Yeah, I think that they're huge parts of the whole thing. To just reinforce what you're saying and kind of move right into the meat of today's episode, I think a lot of this at a fundamental level has to do with our relationship with ourself and our relationship particularly with our self-concept. One of the most useful ideas I've ever encountered about building good habits, and a lot of what we're talking about does return to building good habits on some level. We need good habits in order to accomplish the things we want to accomplish in life comes from James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, where he talks about rather than trying to change your habit, your behavior, change how you think of yourself and how that thought underpins your behavior. So for me, for a long time, to give a very superficial but I think useful example, I thought of myself as somebody who bit my nails. I was a nail biter. And because I was a nail biter, I bit my nails. And many, many times I tried to stop biting my nails, but I couldn't because I was a nail biter. And so I was constantly fighting that core image that I had of myself. One day after reading the book, I just wrote down, I'm not a nail biter. And every time that I went to bite my nails, I just told myself, oh no, I'm not somebody who bites my nails. 
And in about a week and a half, I stopped biting my nails. And I've now not bitten my nails for the better part of about six months. I still nibble on my thumbs from time to time. It's kind of a nervous habit. But the other ones, I've been clipping them with the old nail clippers, the whole thing, which is a totally revelatory change in my life. And I think that that underpins, that's obviously a very superficial example, but it underpins this much larger point, which is we think of ourselves as the kinds of people who do something, whatever that something is. I'm a kind of person who procrastinates, or I'm a kind of person who isn't into a certain kind of music, or I'm a kind of person who is very serious, you know, whatever that thing is to you. And it's really hard to become something different when you're already very clear about who you are, particularly if those who you are's are kind of getting in the way of who you want to become. So I think a lot of this process returns to releasing our attachment a little bit to certain elements of our self-concept and really exploring inside of ourselves, what are the parts of my self-concept that are preventing me from accomplishing whatever my big X is out in the distance. That is really interesting and powerful. And I didn't know that detail about you and your nails because I, when I rewind the last several months of hanging out with you in socially distant, appropriate ways for in, in the time of COVID, <laughs> yeah, you're right. You are doing it. I haven't been biting my nails. Yeah, it's totally wild. I was a chronic nail biter for... 30 years or whatever it was, and now no more nail biting. So it, I mean, you know, again, superficial example, but I think it helps paint a picture. And it also, it's a good example because that's a tough habit to break. A couple more notions I have about all this that build on your idea from Atomic Habits about shifting self-concept. To be able to, let's say, I'll use myself as an example, weight training. And I want to credit you as someone who has really served me in this area. It's kind of <laughs> set me up in a program suited to my age and habits. Anyway, so if I tell myself, as I have over the years, Rick, you ought to lift weights. You got to build muscle mass. You're aging. You can't get away with stuff you got away with when you were in your 50s, let alone your 40s and 30s. Uh, you got to do it now. That has very little traction to me. On the other hand, if I get in touch with the felt sense of being vital and strong and a large male mammal moving over the land and able to scramble and rock climb like I love doing in wilderness without fear. When I get in touch with the feeling of that, of manifesting that and being that and that being me, then instantly, of course, I want to lift those weights because that immediately is an expression of who I already am or that way of being. And so I think this too is very important for motivation is to get in touch with the, the feeling from the inside out of who you want to be, how you want to be, how you want to manifest, let's say, in the world, and then let that feeling carry you along. Let, let the natural motive power of that way of being lead you into action. So the engine of motivation comes from the bottom up rather than the classic top down, you ought to do this, you ought to do that. Yeah, to give one more thing that tends to get in the way of you know becoming who we truly want to be is this phrase that you've said to me a lot. I'm pretty sure it comes from somewhere else, but who knows? It's the idea of letting the perfect be the enemy of the good. And I think that we just see that all the time. I see that all the time in my life. I mean, with starting the podcast, initially it was about, oh, okay, I don't have the right kind of microphone. I need to wait until I can get the right kind of microphone or I can get the right kind of recording software or, oh, I don't want to do it until I know everything about how to do a podcast well or whatever until I finally just kind of woke up one morning and I went, we have all these interesting conversations all the time. Why not just turn a microphone on and kind of see what happens here? And then all of a sudden, we just had a podcast. It was like, whoa, woke up one morning, there's a podcast, you know? Was it a perfect podcast? No, it was not a perfect podcast. If you go back and listen to some of the early episodes that we recorded together, there were sound quality issues. I didn't really know what I was doing. Like, a lot of stuff was going on there. But we got there. You know, we trialed and errored it, and we didn't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. And we got to a place where today... 
all of a sudden the sound quality is better and we have a better flow with each other and I know how to set up doing an interview with a guest better and all this good stuff. Because like, that's how you learn. You learn by doing. And um, certainly in my own nature as a bit of a closet perfectionist, I can allow that perfectionist tendency to really get in the way of doing anything. And some of that, I think, gets back to those dreaded experiences, right? Because we don't want to be seen as not doing it the right way. So if we can't do it well enough, we just don't do it at all because we're worried about being kind of witnessed in our wrongness. And that's a very uncomfortable experience for people. And I think it's such an impediment to so much expression out in the world. Yeah. It also makes me think of the book by Bill O'Hanlon, my friend and and a well-known therapist, called Do One Thing Different. And Bill's point was that if you want to change a behavior like cigarette smoking, or you want to start something, let's say, like lifting weights, do one little thing different related to the whole package of your behavior in that area, and let that one little thing that you're doing different slowly initiate a cascade of changes that add up to something really, really big. And that goes to the idea of if you're trying to help yourself do something or move more in the direction of something, what's the small little pebble you can initially start rolling down the hillside that will kick off other pebbles and eventually lead to a landslide? So let's suppose that you want to make 2021 a year in which you really come to grips with your physical health in a whole new way, and you want to end up being willing to invest about an hour a day, one way or another, supporting your your overall vitality, including going for a walk with a friend, doing a little exercise, practicing some yoga, maybe lifting a little weight. Let's suppose that's what you want, but an hour a day is way too much. Okay, what could you start with? Could you start with a Saturday morning walk with a friend once a week? One little thing, which then kickstarts it. You know, it's sort of like uh, priming the pump, right? And then you build from there. So that's, that's a key idea. Second key idea is to set yourself up to succeed by arranging your environment in a way that would support you. Let's suppose that you want to eat more healthily. Well, don't have donuts in your home. <laughs> If you're going to get a donut, make sure you got to go out of your way for one. If you want to drink less or smoke less, don't have it in your home or make it harder to get or put it up on a higher shelf or make a behavioral shift of some kind. So that's another thing. And then the last thing that I find really deep underneath it all is to raise your own global level of functioning. What I mean by that is that our state of being is the origin point for how we express ourselves into the world, our overall level of being. What's your overall mood? Is it positive? Is it negative? Is it confident? Is it anxious? What's your overall state of being? Is there a sense of vitality? Is your mind clear? What's your overall state of being? And sometimes the first best step is to focus not on the behavior you want to start doing or stopping, but rather lift up, up up-level your overall level of being. Start there. Start by, for example, saying, I'm going to help myself get more sleep. I'm going to start going to bed a little earlier. I'm not going to be checking political Twitter right before bed. Best of luck, Dad. Best of luck. No, I've changed there for us. I've changed. I've changed. You're changing, really man. Have changed. I have changed in that area, actually. I'm glad. Anyway, so, yeah. So, in other words, lift your level of being, and then the you that you will become in a day or a week or a month based on kind of up-leveling your global quality of being, your global mood, your global vitality, your global functioning, then that person you are, let's say a month from now, can then initiate this new behavioral program much more successfully. Yeah, great list. And also is reminding me of the book. I think that it's by it's by an army general or an admiral, something like that. It's titled Make Your Bed, I think. And it's just where this whole kind of Navy SEAL idea of, okay, if you get up in the morning and you make your bed, you've at least done one thing in that day. And that's an example of those kind of little changes that can add up to make a big difference over time. Then there are little, like you're saying, behavioral interventions that people can have. For me, one of the big ones is, is my phone near me when I'm sleeping? Because if my phone is within arm's reach when I'm sleeping, I've tried to stop this many, many times, but I 
just can't help myself. When I wake up in the morning, I'm going to start checking my phone and I'm going to spend an extra 15 minutes, 20 minutes lying in bed. And if my alarm goes off when my phone is far away from me, I get up and I don't lay back down again. So there are these little ways that we can try to kind of make our life just a little bit easier, reduce some of that friction that you were talking about that can kind of get in the way of us making a change that we really want to make. I want to add one little thing too, or maybe not so little. As you well know, this is a year in 2020 in, in America that the coronavirus has led to well over 300,000 Americans now underground. And this really goes to two allies in motivating ourselves. One is to appreciate the preciousness of a human life, the remarkable causes and conditions that had to come together to manifest as you, whoever you are. And who knows what the future holds, rebirth, who knows, but for sure, this is your one shot at this body and this personality in this life. This is it. This really is it. And we're all given a finite number of breaths. We're all given a finite number of minutes. How will you use those breaths? How will you use those minutes? Because once they're gone, you can never get them back. And that is a very useful reflection, including as you get a little older and you start to notice that time is running out, things that, yeah, you could probably kind of get away with kicking down the road a year or a decade. Now, it's now or never. You're either going to do it now or it's not going to happen at all. That's a reflection that's very important. And in that is a question of what are the gifts you want to give to your future self, the person you'll be in a day or a year or in the last hour of your life? What do you want to give to that person in all kinds of ways? And you can look back and think about what the earlier yous have given you for better or worse and what they haven't given you that you sure wish they had worked harder maybe to give you or resisted some temptations to enable you to have today. So take that lesson, not out of beating yourself up about the past, but as a reflection for, okay, even you could do something as a simple exercise, kind of almost sacred with a piece of paper or just in your own mind or maybe talking with someone. What do you want to give to yourself tomorrow? What do you want to give to the person you will be tomorrow? What do you want to do today that will be a gift to who you are tomorrow, right? For example, what do you want to do today or in the next year that will be a gift to who you will be one year from now, 10 years from now, in the last year of your life? That is a very compelling consideration. It's soulful. Maybe you want to go sit on a hill and look out in the distance. Maybe you want to skim the obituaries and then consider this question, not in a morbid way, but in a very existential and strong way. And then the last thing I'll just say as a motivational engine is the things we do for the sake of others. We practice for others, not just for ourselves. Honestly, one of the things that genuinely motivates me around doing physical training that I know will increase the odds of a longer life is I want to be able to be a really cool grandpa. <laughs> and I want to give my grandchildren, one of whom at least I hope is yours, <laughs> the opportunities to hang out with cool grandpa. Because I think cool grandpa is going to be kind of cool for him, you know? You're, you're going to be a super cool grandpa. <laughs> That's pretty neat. And so, yeah, we practice for others, you know, as we help ourselves become a little calmer, a little less irritable, a little more socially engaged, a little more capable of compassion, a little less inebriated, you know, a little more sober, a little more fit, a little... Maybe we build up some resources, a little more money that we can then put to good service. We do it for others too. And that's another way to motivate ourselves. Yeah, I think that's a wonderful summary of a lot of great content and a really good list to kind of reflect on as we kind of go through this process here. So just for right now, because, you know, it's our last episode of the year, it's a quote unquote New Year's resolutions episode, that whole thing. Let's just talk for a second. We've talked about this a little bit in the past, but just for a moment about what kind of makes a good goal or a good resolution. What are some different ways to set ones that can be helpful for people? And I'll just kind of start. A couple of basic recommendations. When you're setting a general resolution or goal for yourself, focus on trying to make it both very, very clear. It's really clear what you're shooting for. And then second, to make it have something of an expiration date. It's time bounded. It's not just from now on, I will never do this thing. 
but it's by point A in time, I will try to accomplish B. Something like that. Another thing is to avoid doing what I just did, which is I used the word try. Try is a dangerous word. And other words that are similar that allow us to hedge on what our real goals are. I am a chronic user of the word try. I was really needled about this by my first boss ever, and I think that if anything, it just made me double down on using the word try more. But in my you know older age now, at the ripe old age of 33, I've, I've come around on this one. And I think that words like that, that let us psycho-emotionally hedge, can be a little bit dangerous. Another great practice is to clearly state things in a way that is recorded in some way. For instance, writing something down in a journal. Another thing that can be really helpful is to have a big organizing goal, a big clear organizing goal, and then to have other short and medium-term goals, process goals, if you will, that all add up to that big outcome goal. We've talked about process goals and outcome goals a fair bit on the podcast in the past, so I won't repeat too much of that. So those are some little things that are going to be involved in my process this year of setting goals, making resolutions, and kind of clarifying the things that I would like to change. Great, great stuff. I think I could only add, well, maybe two things. One is to put goals in the positive form. So for example, we might say, I want to stop eating carbohydrates. All right, I, I, you can do that. But what that does is it just reinforces the idea of carbohydrates. And if you can, put it in a positive form, like I want to eat a heavily plant-based diet that's natural and alive and promotes my health. Now, maybe that's wordier than no more donuts, but <laughs> putting it in the positive. And I think the other thing is to bring it into today. Okay, what are you doing today toward your goal? And to think about what's the little thing you can do today? I can tell you this, Forrest, based on talking about it today, I just am back from a week of camping, and so I was using my body, and that's all good. And But today I'm going to do some things that are weight training. Yeah, kind of like you're saying, turning it into an everyday event. One of the things that I think kind of trips people up a little bit is that we have these big macro goals that we're shooting for at some point in the distance. To give you know, a personal example, maybe I want to write a book at some point. Maybe I want to write a book at some point is a really bad goal. Even I want to write a book is kind of an iffy goal because a book is a big thing. It's 300 pages, 400 pages, whatever it is, detailed in the subject. That's a big thing to just do. But saying to myself, I'm going to write 500 words today is a much more achievable goal. And so that's how I've tried to kind of formulate my approach to these things. And, and I think that it's just a much more helpful way to have it on a day-to-day -day basis. Completely true. So to kind of bring this home, if you're comfortable with it, Dad, I would love it if we went through kind of a process here of coming up with a goal or coming up with a resolution, and then sort of going through this process of what's the big thing, what are kind of the medium things, what are some of the small things, how does it relate to yourself, whatever else. How does that sound for you? Sounds great. Do you want to be the guinea pig or do you have a friend? I will happily make myself the guinea pig. I am the chronic guinea pig on this podcast, <laughs> so I will lean into my appropriate role here. So next year, 2021, this is more of sort of a work-related goal, but I think it'll be good for this exercise because it can be really sort of broken down. I want to create more content that feels like mine. So I've obviously been very entangled in a lot of really good ways with the greater Rick Hansen you know, content empire. And we do a lot of wonderful work together that I'm very happy with. And I want to kind of keep on working on developing what feels like mine, like what's my voice, what's my take, all of that sort of stuff. So that's going to be kind of a big professional goal for me over the next year. And I think that that's a good big picture thing to start with. Okay, excellent. Well, we're going to feel around here. So can you say what that would look like concretely if this aspiration you have were realistically fulfilled? Great question. You're now making me think about this live in the moment, so give me a second here. <laughs> I think there's a way that it would look, and there's, I'm now realizing as we're going through this process, really a way that it would feel underneath the way that it would look. Mm, yeah. The way that it would look would be more things that I could point to as being, this is a forest thing. 
and feel kind of wholly responsible for. But that's really the feeling. It's that feeling of kind of responsibility and pride attached to it that I can't deflect from. Whether it's a video series or more content for the podcast that I'm kind of a responsible author for, or more writing or a blog or a book or whatever, it's going to feel that feeling of ownership and responsibility. Yeah. Okay, that's great. So that would be the ands, in other words, that you would experience. Staying a little bit longer, though, with this question of concretely what might it look like, maybe we can talk more about that. And the reason I'm kind of pushing on that partly comes from a lot of experience with talking with people about these things. It can be sort of vague and abstract and fuzzy, and it really helps to not try to pin it down in a pinched way, but just to get at well, what would that actually look like? What are we really talking about here? Are we talking about, hypothetically, a 600-word blog post that you write and pump out ballpark every week? Is that what you're thinking about? Secretly, are you really talking about writing a new book? Do you want to have a second or third episode each week in the podcast that's entirely your own? You know, what are we really talking about concretely? Yeah, no, this is a great question and uh, gives me a opportunity to share some aspirational work things that now I will have to be beholden to in front of this public audience. Um, so all, all deflecting with humor aside, one version of this that we've just started doing that I'm looking forward to doing more is an occasional secondary supplementary podcast episode, which is just me kind of talking into a microphone for about 10 minutes on a subject that I find really interesting. We actually recently aired the first one of these. It was focused on why does therapy work? And I'm going to be doing more of those in the future. So that's something I've really committed myself to is once a month or so doing one of these discrete kind of 10 to 15 minute-ish extra bonus podcast episodes. That's a good one. And it prompts me just to emphasize something that I think really does help about this sort of territory when we're trying to move into the new. There's a natural tendency to get very complicated about it. Actually, someone was sharing with me recently this T-shirt they have. Wait a minute. Let me overthink this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so we do tend to overthink and get complicated. It can be really helpful to just, no, keep it simple. Bring it down. Decomplicate it. Either do it or don't do it. Lift the weight or don't lift the weight. Zero in on what you want to do and come out of the cloud about it. So I think that's really helpful for people. And you know, the phrase paralysis by analysis, realize they're just getting too complicated about it. Just do the darn thing. Ready, fire, aim, and then revise from there. Okay, good. That's a general principle. Back to you, my son. <laughs> so are there any other examples of concrete manifestations of this general longing you have? Yeah. Another thing that I've been thinking about for a while is doing more work with video. I don't know if that looks at this moment like creating a YouTube channel or if it looks like just doing more videos for the podcast, but that's something aspirationally that I would like to do. Okay. So we could say more, and if we were going to do this and people can do this more on their own, but in the interest of others listening to us. And so here's something also now, do this as a little exercise if you could. Imagine that it's roughly a year from now, late December, 2021, and you are looking back on the year in which you actually have done these things. Mm -hmm. You're looking back, and it helps, by the way, to make it kind of realistic, to acknowledge that some of them maybe didn't work, or you had to revise, or there were some changes, or maybe you kind of slacked off for a few weeks, but then you got back in the program. Okay, you're looking back from the end of 2021 at a realistic manifestation, realistic enactment of these hopes you have for yourself, if you do it, how will you feel? What would it feel like at the end of 2021 to look back at you having mobilized yourself in these ways over the previous year? I think it would feel really good and I would feel very accomplished. I think inside of that is maybe a tendency for me to want to feel like I'm kind of pushing myself or like I'm doing something that's hard. Though I think that can also get in the way of doing good things sometimes. But yeah, I think the, the goal that I'm shooting for is that feeling of accomplishment, of positive self-admiration, not narcissus in the mirror, but just going, wow, I really did the thing this year. 
And I think that I could really feel that way if I really stuck with this. Very good. This is the carrot in front of the donkey that's motivating. It's like, oh, that's how it would feel. And even more broadly, who are you in a good sense? Who are you who is mobilizing and manifesting in these ways? What's the sense of that? It goes to something you said earlier about self-concept. Yeah, great question. Great, great question. I think that that taps me into the part of myself that feels really effective, that feels very agent, like I can create stuff out in the world, that feels like a producer as opposed to somebody who's just kind of laying back and letting life carry them where it carries them. There's a certain honorableness associated with the feeling, like the honor and good effort. And so you might have a sense of inhabiting that guy or stretching into being that guy, that guy who manifests, mobilizes in these ways. Yeah, I think that's really great. It kind of gets back to the dreaded experience stuff a little bit, right? Where there's a certain resistance with that. There's a certain, like, are you really this person? Are you really the kind of person who, insert the blank, who are you to fill in the blank? And that's present for me to an extent as well. But I think that continuing to contact that part of myself that feels really effective and skillful and kind of able out in the world feels really good and, and starts to fill me with that feeling of confidence and accomplishment and all of those associated things. And this point here about, in effect, imagining or tapping into I'll just use this word, the slightly larger version of ourselves. Let's say with regard to me and lifting weights, the slightly more vigorous version of myself, more athletic version of myself. It's really helpful to have a felt sense of that way of being and kind of let it occupy us or become established in us or we become established in it because that's the origin point from action. You know, being precedes becoming. I think that's some philosophy statement. And so inhabiting, coming home to that who you are is really useful because from it then more effortlessly action naturally flows. Yeah, absolutely. No, this has been actually a really productive exercise for me personally so far. So Thank you for that, and thank you for using me as the guinea pig here. Well, I even have two more. Great, perfect. Let's keep going. Okay, well, it's just good. And, and people following along can kind of follow the structure, in a sense, of what I'm doing here. So nearing the end here, and thanks for being willing to give up your body for science for us. Oh, yeah. Really appreciate it. So another question is, how would it benefit others for you to do these things, to make these changes, to be this person? How would it in addition to benefiting you, which is fine, how might it be of benefit to others? Yeah, I think particularly with the kind of work that I'm talking about doing, this is a really tricky one. Because I think the fear is that it doesn't, that it's just not that useful fundamentally. Mm. And that's kind of my concern or, or the deep fear that I have around it, that you create stuff and just like no one's really that interested in it and you just used all this effort and it didn't really go anywhere. It didn't really help anyone. It was just kind of not good. I think that the hope is that I would make things that would help people, help people understand themselves better and help people make changes that really impact their lives in positive ways and give them the resources to make really good choices to put it kind of simply, to make the decisions that they want to make, to be the people they want to be, to become more fully realized. I've been thinking a lot about self-concept recently, which is part of why it came out in this episode so much. And that question of how can we become most fully the person that we really are is really pregnant for me these days. And so I would hope to make things that would help people through that process as well. Right. These are ideas. These are things you know. And it's to let oneself feel the contribution to others and to allow oneself to not know all the details and the people seen and unseen, known and unknown, you know, that our efforts ripple out to touch, 
but still to be aware in the heart of the goodness, the benevolence, the contribution of what one is doing. It's for others too. Now, maybe for some people, if they're doing this exercise themselves, the way it would help others if they took certain steps is that maybe they'd be a little more successful in their job and they'd have a little more money for their family. Okay, that's that would help others. Or maybe it would help others to live longer to be able to, like, it will help you if I live longer because then I'll help you with your kids, you know, and that grandkid kind of thing. So it would be of help to others. It would help me in a lot of ways, Dad, if you lived longer. <laughs> but okay, we'll, we'll focus on the grandchild here. Oh, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's that's good. So this is a very important engine for us, a motivator, and to just get in touch with it and not make it more than what it is, but not make it less than what it is, all right? Okay, good. So here's my last question for you now. When you imagine it being now a year from now, and you're looking back over the year, and you're imagining this guy Forrest starting in January, plugging along, doing these things, changing his habits, making himself do certain things that he's been maybe avoiding the dreaded experience related to, whatever. What, from the perspective of a year from now, what helped him get the job done? What was helpful in taking these new steps and staying with the staying the course? Great question. For starters, consistent effort. Every day doing a little bit, not saving it all until the last possible minute, not falling behind. I have personally, I think a lot of people do, but I definitely have a tendency where when I fall behind in a project, it's just kind of easy for me to not do it. I'm self-employed, so I can get away with that. You often can't get away with that in a more traditional occupational situation. But you can think about that in a lot of different ways. When you, to your example, Dad, when you miss exercising a couple days in a row, it's really easy to miss the next day of exercise. But if you've done it three days in a row, you start to feel, oh, I don't want to break the chain. And I think for me, that's a very motivating impulse. Consistent effort, day after day, biting away, doing a little bit, not letting myself have too many uh, zero days where nothing gets done. That's a huge part. Another thing I think will be, I don't know how to articulate this well, but kind of forcing myself to put stuff out there essentially saying, I don't know if this is perfect. I don't know if this is good, but on the schedule, I have to put this thing out there today. So I am going to do it because it's on the schedule. And I I think that that's also a huge part of it. Yeah. As a writer and content producer myself, and you're exactly right. I think that really does serve people. It's like writing's a deadline, good or bad. You know, (laughs) you watch these movies about newspapers like, let's say the deadline, hard deadline to get it in the next morning's paper is 11 p.m. And it's not 11.01 p.m. Whatever you have by 11 p.m., that's what's going into print. And you just know that, and it forces you to manifest that. Yeah, I think that's really true. Yeah, I think that's that's a huge piece of it. It served me immensely to have a weekly writing schedule that I had to produce a new newsletter, which then I would build on later and turn into a book, let's say. Alongside that, I think structuring my weeks a little bit more diligently. And having more of a, on Monday, I do this, on Tuesday, I do that. Rather than, again, as it's kind of easy to fall into a self-employment, you're sort of doing a little thing, or you're doing a lot of different things every day. And it's all kind of fuzzy, and you can sort of do it whenever, so sometimes you just don't do it. And having that real clarity inside of the schedule, I think, would be more helpful for me. Maybe declaring yourself to many people. Now you've declared yourself to tens of thousands of people on this podcast. Yeah, declaring myself clearly that these are my intentions, which, you know, has been a slightly stressful process during this episode, but it's fine. It's fine. (laughs) It's really fine. (laughs) Doing my best, you know, leading into the discomfort. But yeah, no, I mean, this has been super useful, Dad. I really appreciate it. That's good. Well, I hope it hasn't been boring for people to listen to. Yeah, I, I hope so as well. So to kind of universalize this as opposed to just, you know, Forrest's psychodrama here, which I'm sure is somewhat interesting, but maybe not maximally interesting. You can really look back over this process that Rick just did with me here and think about for yourself, for your thing, for whatever your thing is that you just haven't quite been able to get done before. How would you go through this process with yourself? You can maybe, hey, imagine, maybe we'll do a, uh, hey, maybe we'll do a little bonus offering where Rick is walking through these steps as a kind of almost guided meditation. I would love to do that. That would be great. 
And you can kind of imagine somebody else asking you these questions, if that's more comfortable than you asking them to yourself. A supporter, somebody who really wants you to be successful, a friend, you can get a friend if they're open to doing it, to just like ask you these questions and you can write down what your responses are. And through things like that, through practices like that, we can really get a lot of good clarity on what we really actually want to accomplish as opposed to what we're just kind of saying we sort of want to do. And I think that that's a really important distinction that got very clearly highlighted as Rick walked me through these things. So thank you for that, Dad. I appreciate it. Great. Well, fantastic. So I think that that's where we're going to close this episode here today. Today, we talked about making 2021 the year where it finally happens for you, whatever it is. Of course, we hope that the podcast will be a big part of that as you go through your year. And I just want to say here, hey, we're rooting for you. So whatever your thing is, know that Rick and I support you in it. Truly, truly. We want you to be successful. Truly, truly, truly. So if you can think of no one else that has your back here, no. Forrest, Rick, want you to succeed very, very strongly, truly in our hearts. So today we talked about making 2021 your year. And we began with a really fundamental question, which is what actually causes people to change in a real way? And related to that, what's the difference between the goals that we accomplish and the goals that we fail to accomplish? And Rick began by making a really central point. Often the things that we tell ourselves that we want to do are often not really what we want to do. We think we should do them or that we're supposed to do them or that people will like us if we do them. But underneath it all, we don't actually want them. We don't actually want to accomplish them. And some of this relates to a couple of ideas that we've discussed a lot recently. First, the idea of the dreaded experience. And then second, ideas related to self-concept. Often our dreaded experience is related to a thing that we find ourselves consistently unable to accomplish out in the world. It's the fear of emotional pain that can cause ourselves to live smaller lives. And often when we have a top-down resolution of something that we want to accomplish that, as Rick said, the top five floors of the self are really into, the basement of the self might be totally terrified of that. And it's helpful to come into contact with it when we have the realization, oh, there's a part of me that is fighting against this for some reason. And then you can return to the practices that we explored in our episode related to risking the dreaded experience for some ways to push back against that. Another tool that can be helpful that we explored during the episode is the idea of changing your self-concept. To use the example that I gave, when you're a person who bites your nails, you have to constantly fight to not bite your nails that day. But if you just change your self-concept to being somebody who doesn't bite your nails, and you reinforce that every time you try to bite your nails, that can be a really powerful aid. It's not enough to make everything happen all on its own, but it's a good first start. So maybe changing your self-concept from somebody who tends to procrastinate to every time you start to procrastinate, think to yourself, not, oh yeah, I'm a procrastinator, here we go again, but instead try to frame it in terms of, no, I'm a diligent person. I'm a confident person, and I'm somebody who can get this thing done. Again, probably won't be enough on its own, but it's a good first step to give yourself the best chance of being able to break that problematic habit. Then Rick talked a lot about changing the little circumstances of life that can enable us to pursue better goals. And I thought about this idea of making your bed in the morning as one little accomplishment that can set you up for a good day. And that's really just kind of a metaphor for all of the little things that we can do in life that enable us to achieve larger goals. What are some of those things for you? For me, it's putting the phone further away from me when I go to bed at night. But I think that most people have a little something that if they approached just a little bit differently, it could really create a positive cascade in their life. Then we talked briefly about what makes a good resolution or what makes a good goal. Good goals are built from two different kinds of goals, process goals and outcome goals. Outcome goals are the thing that we're shooting for at the end of the day. Process goals are all the little things that we do along the way 
to finally achieve that outcome goal. Good goals are also clear, time-bounded, and positive in nature. Rick made a great point. Framing goals in terms of what we're taking away from ourselves only tends to reinforce those negative behaviors. If we can frame things in terms of what we're trying to achieve positively, we can increase our chances of achieving that goal. Then finally, Rick went through a great process with me of walking through a goal that I was thinking about for the next year and really drilling down into each of the things that I was saying, a set of great questions that helped me explore it more. I started thinking more about what was the feeling that I wanted to feel when I had achieved that goal. I looked forward to the end of 2021 and thought, wow, how would life be if I were able to achieve this goal? We spoke in terms of the deeper feelings that might be associated with the surface level goal. And he named a couple of great practices along the way, things like thinking about what it would be like for other people in a positive way if you were able to achieve this goal, making it not just about you, but also about the benefit that others would receive. And I found that whole process very personally useful, and I hope you did as well. So I just want to give you a quick reminder about Rick's Foundations of Wellbeing program. I've included a link to the program in the description of today's podcast. And remember, you can use the code BEINGWELL10 to get 10% off the purchase price. Also, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can give us a subscription through the platform of your choice, leave a rating and a positive review. And if you've been following us for a while and you would like to support us in other ways, you can join us on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash beingwellpodcast. For each episode, I create very detailed show notes. We have additional bonus episodes on that platform that are only available to our Patreon subscribers. And generally, it's a great way to support the podcast for the cost of just a couple cups of coffee a month. So that's all for today's episode. I just want to reiterate what I said in the beginning. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast in 2020. It truly meant so much to me. And it has been amazing to create this content that I hope means a lot to you as well. And to have some small form of influence in the lives of so many people in a positive way, helping them achieve what they want to achieve in the world and become ever more the person that they want to be has been profoundly fulfilling for me. So thank you for allowing us to do this. So all that said, best wishes for 2021. Hopefully you'll be listening in the new year and we'll talk to you soon. 